May the words of my mouth and meditation of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. First of all, I forgot to announce Sunday school. Was there a Sunday school for children? I, I didn't even think to do that. My wife has gone today, and so if there's any who want to go? Yes? No? Ben, Charlie, you guys want to go? No? I'll tell you what, if you want to go, get up and go. But if you don't, just sit there. Either way. All right, so here's the thing. We live in a very noisy, noisy world. Anybody who's ever taken time to think about this realizes it. The sound of children fighting or babies crying or aged people coughing, television and radios, iPods, computers, the train that goes by. Um, <laughs> I, I just noticed as I step up here, I actually could feel it in my feet when there's a uh, vibrating sword. Uh, we, have, um, we have constant flow of noise. Not just the natural noises, the, the wind rushing through the trees, you know, the... Uh, uh, thunder clapping, those sorts of noises, but but the noises that that we manufacture all around us, phones ringing, politicians arguing, you know, all the sorts of things that come on on a daily basis. We even get in our automobiles and and turn on the radio right away, you know, to to break the silence. I had a friend who took out the the the, um, the fuse in her car for the radio. So that she would be forced to sometimes, you know, have silence in her life that she would drive around. We live in a very noisy world. For two, a couple times in the last six or seven years, I've taken a week and gone to a monastery in Bar- near Bartown, Kentucky, called Gethsemane Monastery. Trappist monks live there and work. Um, they uh, they make fudge and cheese and sell it, and they they raise their own food and and they'll welcome people to come and to stay and so I've taken a couple of retreats where I go there now here's the thing about the Trappist monks they don't take vows of silence but they practice a very efficient economy of words they do not speak unless absolutely necessary as you as you go into the um, the cafeteria where you eat there are little signs on the tables that say silence is spoken here when you're walking through the hallways, if you'll see a monk, he drops his gaze to the floor, lest just normal pleasantries get exchanged. There is no speak. I mean, if you went and said, you know, which way to the library, they would say, you know, up the stairs and to the right. But otherwise, speaking is, is, is not, not commonplace. What they do is they speak in prayer, of course. They, they speak in song. There is the sound of bells that call you to prayer. But they practice as much silence as they can because they value contemplation. Now, I live in this world, the world that we all live in, the world of of trains, planes, and automobiles, uh, of iPods and car radios and all that sort of thing. So I'm not really used to going to serious silence that quickly. And each time that I've gone there, it, it has been like this this major kind of abrupt thing. Well, it, 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 it is shaking me. And I, I have not realized how deafening silence can be. How, how overwhelmingly powerful it is. And, and frightening, in fact. I mean, I would look for people who perhaps might say, um, 
You know, hello. You don't get hellos. No goodbyes. No good nights. No sleep wells. I mean, it's it's silence. And after about three days, did you like that silence? After about three days, there's something that takes place inside. All of a sudden, that thing that was so annoying becomes very beautiful, very rich, meaningful, and it, and you begin to find that you like it. That the silence is really powerful. Jesus went on a retreat, something like this. He went to the desert, up to a monastery. But I imagine that many of the same effects of the monastery were present. The only sounds were the sounds of nature. There were no Roman soldiers barking out orders. No fishermen telling dirty jokes. No people yelling or shouting or giving orders, do this, move that, all those sorts of things. Just out in the wilderness. He alone. Maybe you do a bit of hiking right here. You should. If you don't, you definitely should. We have a great na- uh, national park right here in our backyard. Great place to go hiking. And um, I love to go hiking even in the wintertime. In fact, it might be my favorite time to hike is when there's a, a fresh snow out. Because snow sort of like deafens noise. And, and so... Abby and I will take Lucy, our dog, out. We'll, we'll go hiking through the trails when they're, they're kind of covered with snow. Nobody's around usually. People don't go out in the snow. They're smarter people than me. I'm not, I'm not denying that. But we go out and, and let the dog loose. And, and it's amazing how quiet it is. A few years back, I had some friends who came, former students of mine, wanted to hear this guy give a talk at the Happy Days Lodge. He was a, he was a hiker, and he had, he had completed this 4,000-mile hike through Alaska. 4,000 miles. I mean, that's, that's further than a, across the country, isn't it? 4,000 miles through Alaska by himself. And I thought to myself, how awful that would be. I mean, I, I couldn't imagine being... I couldn't do four miles in Alaska, probably, you know? I'd be afraid of bears and moose and all that sort of stuff. And, and yet here he did, 4,000 miles, all by his lonesome. And this is the experience that Jesus has. Out in the wilderness, all alone, here we have, for weeks on end. When Matthew mentions how long Jesus is in the wilderness, 40 days... In the wilderness for 40 days, you know, a Jew in the first century would have their ears propped up. 40 in the wilderness. That sounds like the story of Israel. 40 years in the wilderness. And that's exactly what Matthew wants you to do. He wants you to think about the story of Israel in the wilderness. And how Jesus is, uh, he is the embodiment of what Israel should have been. Israel the people. How they should have been this this uh, tool that God is using to save the world, and how Jesus does embody it. He reconstitutes Israel around himself. He becomes the true Israelite. Here he is, alone in the wilderness. But you know what happens, don't you? You've read the story. You've heard me read the story. He's not alone suddenly, isn't he? He goes from being all alone to hearing a voice. The voice... Of Diabolos in, in, in uh, Greek. The devil. The devil, the one who separates, shows up. And you know what he says, right? If you are the Son of God, I know you're hungry. I mean, it's, been, it's been a month since you've had anything to eat. If you're the Son of God, take these stones and turn them into bread. Surely you could do that. Maybe you've been on a diet once or twice. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe you gave up, you know, 
chocolate for Lent or something, and somebody shows up, you know, with with George's donuts, right? And, and you really have, I mean, you're really hungry, and you see those, and, it, and you know that feeling that you get, right? And so here's Jesus, a month without food. Look at these stones. Don't they look just like loaves of bread? Can you imagine what they would smell like and how they would taste? Here, since you're the Son of God, turn them into, into bread. You know the source of the temptation here, right? Do for yourself what God promised to do for you. Do it for yourself. I mean, come on. How can anyone deny you that? And then the second one takes him to the top of the pinnacle of the temple, right? Throw yourself down. And God will save you. It's right there in the Bible. Read the 90th Psalm. It's right there. He will give His angels charge over you. Lest you dash your foot against the stone. See, the temptation here is the temptation to believe that God might not keep His word. That God might not be able to be trusted. Just try Him out. Test Him. See if He can be. And the third temptation, of course, all the people of the world. All you have to do is bow down and worship Me. Violate the first commandment, and the whole world could be saved. And the temptation here really is that there is a shortcut to saving the world. It doesn't have to go through the cross. And in all three, Jesus, of course, rejects them. And he rejects them in the same way. It is written, it is written, it is written. But you know what troubles me about the whole temptation narrative? Maybe it troubles you as well. What troubles me is not the 40 days of wanderings. It doesn't trouble me that he was hungry or that, that um, he went through all the difficult pains of, of being alone into the wilderness. What troubles me is that, is that it's hard to find God present in Jesus' struggles. Of course, you go to the, well, he was the second person. Yeah, I understand Trinitarian thought. But what I'm saying here is Jesus is all alone. He's alone. He's driven into the wilderness by the Spirit of God and left there. God is nowhere to be found. Only Diabolus. And maybe someday, maybe there's a time somewhere in your life where you might say, why has God left me to face this thing alone? Where you might feel abandoned by God. Where, where you might say, why is it the only voices I hear are bad ones? Why am I the only one left out here and where is God in the midst of this? You can turn on the news. Earthquakes and famines, wars, holocausts. Planes crashing. Where's the voice of God in the midst of all this? Why has He left me or these people to face this alone? Why is He silent? And Jesus speaks directly to that, doesn't He? It is written. It's not that God isn't speaking. It's that God has spoken. He has spoken clearly. He has spoken in the pages of, of Scripture. <clears throat> the world is shouting. It is noisy. It is constantly filled with noise. With, with messages. With people selling you things you don't need. With a constant barrage of, of, of philosophical and political and religious world. And there's, there's all the other noise. The garbage trucks and the trains and the planes. and All this stuff is constantly barraging us. And Jesus is saying, I think, to that sometimes we have to push that noise away and hear the voice of God, not who is speaking, of course God is speaking, but who has already spoken. 
It is written. It is written. It is written over and over again. Jesus deflects these temptations in the same way. A few years ago, I was talking to a friend of mine who was telling me the story about going up in this plane. My friend had a friend who had a plane, and he was up in this this plane, and he said it was a beautiful day. They were flying. It was just you know a great day for flight. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, like these clouds just rushed in. And it went from being really clear skies, really, you know, unending ceiling to where they were just engulfed in clouds. And he said, I couldn't see a thing. And at first it was kind of funny, you know, he joked about it a little bit. And then he said, I became panicked by it. And pretty soon I started feeling like we were going straight down into the ground. And I started yelling, he says, at my friend, pull the plane up because I know we're heading down. It feels like we're heading straight down. And his friend, the pilot, said, no, no, we're fine. We're we're, we're okay. And he said, and then I, you know, I got disoriented. I felt like maybe we were on our side or whatever. And every, my sense of placement in this airplane was completely off. And my friend said to me, he was telling me, he said, look at the instruments. You see what they said? Our altitude is good. Our level is good. Uh, we're, we're, we're right where we're we supposed to be. And his friend said something. He said, there are times when you're learning to fly that you just have to learn to trust the instruments. That they're telling you what's right, even when you internally don't feel like it is. Sometimes we have to learn that lesson. That we have to trust the instrument. God has spoken. And trusting in it, believing that it's true, and banking our lives on it will be the thing that will save us from the nonsense and the noise and certainly from the one who would separate us from God. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.